Welcome to the Single Well Podcast. My name is Dr. Mila and I am a family doctor turned wellness transformation coach. I created the Single Well for Christian single women and moms who want to learn how to simply incorporate wellness practices into their daily lives. After having a baby, getting divorced, and years of struggling with weight gain and declining health, I went searching for a natural weight loss solution. But instead, I discovered that true health was found in leveraging my spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and relational wellness. Listen in to gain the tools and mindset to start developing your own unique wellness strategy. Let's do this. Please note, the information shared on the Single Well Podcast is meant for informational purposes only and is not meant to replace the advice of your personal physician or healthcare practitioner. Please consult your personal medical professional before embarking on or implementing anything discussed on the podcast. Here I am again on my AirPods. I am trying to um, go ahead and record this episode because I've got to get it ready. Um, I have had very serious issues with my tech of late. Um, My last couple episodes were recorded not on my microphone. Um, Well, my last one was on my microphone, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, But where I am just kind of dealing with these issues all of a sudden with my equipment So the first time I just waited too long, procrastinated myself into having to use my AirPods and on the way to get my son in the car, I just had to record, which is what I'm doing today. But today the reasoning is different. So last week I recorded, or I think it was two weeks ago, I recorded an episode on Restream to talk about my Get a Head Start on 2022 challenge. And I did that so that I would have video of it. I could post the video and kind of have that whole thing going. Well, what I noticed was, that when I went to listen back to it, um, I heard a lot of crackling, even in the music and everything. Like, I was just like, oh, it's kind of, you know, spotty. But I usually will not allow perfection to be the enemy of progress. And um, I just said, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. And so when I listened back to it, I noticed, you know, yeah, really, there's a lot of sound issues. So I thought it was the... um, the software I was using. I was like, oh, maybe it's the software. Maybe it's something I did to the sound, whatever. So I was like, I'll figure it out. I'll fix it. So here I am again. And I'm like, I got to record another episode. I've got to get something out about this, this challenge and this, this um, process about getting our head start, you know? And so I was like, ah, well, I'll just hook up my microphone when I get off work and I'll just, uh, quickly record that, you know, I'll just talk through what I want to talk about and I'll do it. So I go to hook up the microphone and it's super crackly and then it's not getting any power. It it was just the whole thing. So I'm like, oh, this is not working. So I switched out the cords and did all that thinking like maybe there's something I'm doing wrong here. So I do all of that and I'm like, wow, (laughs) it's not working. And I had to leave. So I was like, okay, so here we go. So I get my headphones or my AirPods and I was like, I'll just record it in the car. So here we are. 
I don't know what is going on with my microphone. I don't know what is going on with this week. It's been very strange. Um, it's only Monday, so um, there's that. But I'm just going to get it done. But what I wanted to talk about today, so if you hear, if you hear, you know, different sound, um, yes, I have not lost my mind. I just need to apparently update my equipment and be more organized in doing that. So, but what I wanted to talk about was, you know, how we define health. What are the keys to health? What does it mean? You know, a lot of times we talk about getting healthy, but that can literally mean something different for every single person. And I've talked about this before on Pivot and Bloom podcast. And so I just want to like kind of go over it in a little bit more detail and really help you understand when we try to, to try to get a head start on our health, what is what are we doing? What are we thinking about? And a lot of times, you know, being one of these people, I speak for myself, um, when we think of health, we think of weight loss. We think of, oh, how much weight can I lose? If I lose weight, then I'm healthy, right? Well, what I've learned over the years is that that does not really mean anything. Um, it, it means something, but it doesn't mean everything because people can lose weight and still be unhealthy. People can you know, remain um, overweight or have obesity and still be healthy uh, metabolically. Um, people can be thin or small and not appear to have a weight issue and still have metabolic issues. So there's all these different combinations of things that can happen where you cannot, the first thing is you cannot look at anyone until they're healthy. That's the first thing. So if your goal has to do with the way you look as far as health, that's probably not going to get you very far. Are there some health conditions that can be, you know, seen by looking at someone? Absolutely. You know, there's different skin conditions. Um, a lot of physicians are able to see the way that somebody walks or the way that their body is shaped to kind of have an understanding of what may be going on in their body, but you still don't know for sure. So that we need to put to rest. We're not going to be able to look at people and tell if they're healthy or not. Um, we always hear those stories about people having, um, you know, HIV or other things and people thinking that they didn't look like they had that, you know, you just really can't tell what's going on inside someone's body by just looking at them. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is how do we really define that? Like, so if you're thinking, I want to be healthy, what does that look like for you? And for some people, it may be the optimization of the wellness pillars, which we've talked about previously here, the spiritual aspect, mental, emotional, physical, relational, like all of those things, you know, optimizing all of those things and being healthy in that way. Because sometimes people are trying to lose weight, trying to get healthier physically, and they haven't worked on those wellness pillars. So that's another thing to think about. Like what, what, does, what, what does health and wellness look like to you? And then lastly, and certainly not least, um, is the actual definition of physical health. And um, as a physician, this was something that was always hard to really determine. You know, you, you kind of had these vague ideas of what healthy looks like in your head. It might be someone who comes in for a physical once a year and they don't have any problems or at least any that they mention. You know, their weight is normal. The lab work you check is normal. So they're healthy. Right. So what I've learned in just, you know, being a curious learner, like I always am, over the last few years is that that also is not always the whole picture. And so what is the whole picture of health? What does that look like? And I think the answer is it looks different for each of us. But when we're thinking about our uh, physical health and, you know, that that medical side, I think of the, the metabolic syndrome. So 
metabolic health, metabolism is the way our body uses energy. And we have different forms of energy that come into our body. And our body has to do a lot of very complex things to break that down for energy. And so when we think about that, that is what we eat. You know, it may have to do with our environment and different things that come in and affect us that way. But essentially, it is the way our body uses energy. So um, in that sense, one of the most important components of that is the way our body uses, processes glucose. And glucose is, is generally processed through the use of insulin. So you may be uh, familiar with insulin um, if someone you know or maybe you have had problems with diabetes, prediabetes. You have family members that have had that. Um, typically, prediabetes wouldn't involve insulin injections, but just having had that or had, knowing someone that has that, you think, of, oh man, that's that medicine that you inject for diabetes. So that is true, but what insulin does in the body is kind of helps escort the glucose that comes in. So let's say you eat something really sugary, you eat a cupcake, you eat, you know, and that's really simplified because it's not always just sugar, but you eat that and it comes in and there's this excess glucose. This glucose comes in, your body gets a glucose load. So it says, oh, we have to release insulin to help manage it. So insulin is always chasing glucose. So insulin comes in, it gets the glucose, it binds up what it can and tries to escort it across the cell wall. So it takes it into the cells, into the organs and tissues that need it in that fashion. Then there's extra. So there's a little extra coming in. You know, we always are eating no matter Really, what we eat, there's usually a little bit of an excess, and the body has to manage that. And that's okay. So it takes that extra, and if there's too much extra, it'll put it around the abdominal organs or um, around the liver. And that's where you get the, the increased waist circumference, the abdominal girth, if it, as you will, um, of you know the central, what we call central obesity, um, and that's visceral, visceral adiposity. And these are all terms just to describe the extra weight we get around our middle, the weight we get around our belly, the, the place that everybody sees as a problem area and wants to fix. That's what's happening. Your body is putting that extra storage there um, for use later, but we really don't get around to using it because of the way we use energy. And so that's a simplified way of explaining that, but that's the basis for metabolic syndrome. And so years before we start to see problems with diabetes, we will see signs of insulin resistance and perhaps metabolic syndrome. And so what ends up happening is there's these five criteria that can give us clues to the metabolic syndrome. So you have um, an increased waist circumference. So if your waist is more than 35 inches, if you're a woman, more than 40 inches, if you're a man, um, that is considered metabolic or sorry, waist circumference or an increased waist circumference. Now this varies based on ethnicity. This varies um, for other, other things we need to consider, but in general, that's the general um, idea for waist circumference. So you have that. So then, you know, this insulin also, especially when it's in excess, it affects every cell, every part of your body. So there's all these effects that happen from the body having extra insulin. And also when the insulin is in excess, when the body is trying to handle this extra glucose, the body eventually starts to resist insulin. It says, I don't need any more. The effect is enough or too great. I'm going to start to resist it. And so now you have this scenario where the insulin is in excess, the glucose is in excess, and we have a problem, right? Because insulin's trying to do what it needs to do, and it's just not getting anywhere. 
And so um, you get this effect. So one of those effects is high blood pressure. So a lot of times we think about blood pressure being a totally separate problem. It's correlated with diabetes. It's correlated with those things, but it's a separate issue, right? Not so much. So the effects of insulin on the body, on the vessels can cause us to have high blood pressure. So um, that is the second criteria, high blood pressure. So you have waist circumference, increased waist circumference and high blood pressure. So then we think about your cholesterol. So when your body is storing that excess glucose as fat, that is stored in the form of triglycerides. And so traditionally in medicine, we look at LDL or uh, low density lipoprotein as the, the um, marker of cardiovascular risk, a heart disease risk and things like that. And it's treated as such. So if it's above 100, you get a warning. If it's if it's really above 160 or so, you get you know, start talking about medications um, and things like that. And so that's generally what we do. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's generally what we do. And so, but it comes, turns out that what's more important metabolically is the HDL and the triglyceride. So the HDL is the good cholesterol. Triglyceride is that form of fat that is um, made from glucose. So if you have a lot of refined processed foods in your diet, um, you have a lot of, if you have diabetes, things like that will make that triglyceride higher. We'll see that correlation. So a high triglyceride above 150 is one of those criteria. Similarly, HDL is your cleanup crew. This is what's taking the cholesterol away from the cells and helping the body eliminate that. So that is below 50. If it's below 50, then we know that that is um, there is some underlying insulin resistance and it's a sign of metabolic syndrome. And so you have that. And then we talk about just blood sugar. We've talked about that the whole time. So blood sugar um, increases, of course, and over time when the body is resistant to insulin, now there's more glucose in the circulation and it causes all sorts of problems. But the way that we detect it is through a fasting blood sugar. So somebody, your doctor may check a blood sugar and they say, Okay, your blood sugar is high. Um, you know, let's talk about changing your diet, you're gonna exercise, whatever they tell you, and you come back in three months and it may be better depending on what they told you and it may not, but here we are, your blood sugar is still high or getting higher, if let's say it's getting higher, and now we're looking at your A1C, hemoglobin A1C, which is a three month test for your blood sugar. So essentially tells us you know, how, what your average glucose is. It's, it's a different assessment, but it, it kind of tells us what your average is over three months. So it gives us more ideas. And if you eat a donut and have your blood sugar drawn, of course, it's going to be a little higher than usual versus if you're fasting, it shouldn't be that high, but in some cases it is. Um, the A1C gives us more of an idea of what, what your blood sugar is like all the time. And so let's say that's elevated. So if your A1C is elevated or when you're fasting, your blood sugar is above 126 and really above 100 because above 100 is consistent with prediabetes. 126 or higher is considered diabetes. And when you have your hemoglobin A1C above 6.5 or 6.5 or above, that's considered diabetes. If it's above uh, 5.6, that's considered prediabetes. And so you have all of these criteria, you put these together, you have your waist circumference, your blood pressure, your triglycerides, your HDL, and your blood sugar, and you have those three out of five of those. That means that you have metabolic syndrome 
and that means that you're you're insulin resistant or you have insulin resistance. And so what this means over the long term is now your risk of chronic diseases is increased. Your risk of things like heart attacks and strokes is increased. And I mean, this leads to all kinds of things, um, you know, gout, sleep apnea, um, you know, like we talked about blood pressure issues, polycystic ovarian syndromes related to this process. Um, there's just an endless list of things that can come from this. A lot of these most common things we hear about people having all the time, the inflammation that comes from increased glucose and increased insulin in the bloodstream leads to a lot of problems in the body regarding that. You know, some people develop autoimmune problems and joint problems and things like that. So there's all these things to think about um, when it comes to insulin resistance. Um, and so this, to me, really helps us define what health is. Because if we look at those, no matter what type of eating plan you do, and we'll talk about that in a minute, no matter what type of eating plan you do, if you are meeting those criteria, if you are, your blood pressure is optimal, your blood sugar is optimal, your HDL and triglycerides are optimal, and your waist circumference is under that cutoff, then you're probably going in the right direction. Now, it depends on what's going on. If you're losing weight and things are getting better, that's one thing. But if you're under those, but it's really close and you haven't done anything, you might need to think about it. You might need to think about, hey, what can I do? Because just because it's not quite there, but it's close doesn't mean you don't, you're out of the woods. You space to have a problem. So I would challenge you to think about those five things and think of when you're thinking of health, definitely think about your wellness pillars and how you can, you can optimize those. But you also want to think about this very important physical aspect and how you can improve those things and, and what you need to do. And the first step really is just knowing those numbers. Knowing your numbers is so key to living a healthier lifestyle. Knowing where you are, understanding what you need to do is so important. So with that being said, I tend to advocate for a ketogenic lifestyle. And I can't go into detail on this episode because it is such a big topic. I will break it up into different um, topics and things as we go along. But the reason I advocate for that, because this is the one dietary adjustment, one lifestyle that I have seen fairly consistently improving these markers. Now, not everybody will have that effect. And it really depends on how you define your ketogenic lifestyle, because that can look very different from person to person. But I have seen it improve all of these things um, in many different people. Um, and so, you know, you see better blood pressures over time, better blood sugars, waist circumference goes down, um, the HDL goes up, the triglycerides go down. That, to me, means that there is a lot of really great stuff happening with the ketogenic lifestyle. Now, that being said, it can be done in a lot of different ways. There's people who are vegan and vegetarian and keto. There's people who follow more of a paleolithic type of eating and they still follow ketogenic principles. Um, intermittent fasting is a form of a ketogenic lifestyle, depending on what you eat when you're feasting. Um, so it's not this like in a box, one note type of thing that a lot of people try to make it. But I love it because it's so it can be such a healing lifestyle. A lot of people, not only that, develop, you know, better relationships, mental clarity, their brain fog is gone. Some people have reversed uh, mental disorders and all of that. 
And so I really love that lifestyle for that reason. Now, that being said, there are also people that have improved their health with other lifestyles. Um, you know, <clears throat> keto and intermittent fasting is my specialty, my home, but there are other lifestyles that people have followed for themselves that have result, had these same results. So my bottom line is if your metabolic health is in a split, in a place where you're seeing all of these numbers improve, then I'm all for it. I think that you can do it and your body is improving in a way that proves that your body handles this well. But if you're finding that things are worsening from these five criteria, more often than not, that's going to be a lifestyle that something needs to be tweaked. You may not need to change the whole thing. You may not need to stop doing it altogether, but you probably need to tweak something in there. Um, I'll stop there. I want you to start thinking about that and understanding those numbers. You know, if you've had lab work done, everything is electronic now. So if you go to any type of lab around, you know, at your doctor's office or, um, you know, through a health system or wherever, there's usually a way to have access to your actual numbers. And we're going to use this to our advantage. You know, you're going to start looking at that and seeing where you are. You know, your doctor will interpret it for you and will tell you, and I don't advise going against your doctor's. Um, advice, but you want to understand it for yourself. Understand where you are. Understand where you are metabolically, because these things really mean a lot when it comes to your cardiovascular and your cerebrovascular health, meaning your your you know risk of strokes and heart attacks and all of that. And so, I really want you to understand those numbers, what they mean, what they're for. We'll talk a lot about them as time goes on, but I wanted to leave you with that so that you can really understand what health is and how you personally want to approach this challenge. Take care of you. This has been the Single Well Podcast. For more information on what you just heard, please visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Single Well, or you can email us at thesinglewell at gmail.com.